0: Good morning, everyone. As you can see, I'm not Andrew. He is sick. Um, so he asked me to fill in for him. And uh so we'll begin with announcements. Boy, that sounds really loud to me. Is it really loud to you? Guess not. Okay. So, um, Head Kids' Closet yesterday served five families with 13 children. Thanks, Thank you goes out to all who support this outreach. So definitely want to continue to lift that up. And in your bulletins, you'll see different announcements. The November Cornerstone is out. Bible study continues. There's Tuesday morning devotional on Facebook Live. Upper rooms are available. Quarterly giving reports are in your mailbox. If you want them mailed to you, please let Don Connor know. And if you're interested in being camp rep for the church, it's a person elected by the congregation to represent and promote the activities of Inspiration Hills Camp and the church. There's a flyer on the bulletin board listing the responsibilities and qualifications. So the next kids' class, it will be December 5th and they're limiting the flow. See webpage to sign up for a time slot to help out. We're needing in the need of clothing donations and monitor- monetary support and keep the program in your prayers. There's a young adult fall hiking day. Hmm. That's today at 2 p.m. at Deep Rock Quarry Metro Park in Peninsula, so if you're interested, there is a phone number to text or call and there's a flyer on the bulletin board. There's also junior and senior high devotion and game night every Monday on Zoom. Again, that's with Jenny and Imhoff. And then there's a Q&A with our annual conference moderator, Paul Mundy, on November 12th through Zoom, and I would really highly recommend that. Um, If you have participated in any of the um, town meetings that he has um, promoted, they are all very excellent, and um, those of us that were at the annual conference, I mean district conference at Mohican, (laughs) year before last, um, uh, Paul does a great job. So the results of the council election are, are in there. That you can see on your bulletin. Assistant moderator Doug Klein, Christian Education, Don Connor, Fellowship and Recreation Renee and Hatherill and Jean Garcia. Finance is Ron Mishler, Music and Worship, Glenn Grunder, Sam Curry, Janice Myler. Witness is Kim Morkel and Dee Kinsey. Cemetery Endowment Fund, Mark Carner, Connor, Church Treasurer Pat Beach, Trustees Chris Klein and Ron Cordier, Delegate to 2021 Annual Conference is Dustin Boswell, with the alternate, Mike Connor. We do have a thank you from Inspiration Hills for our donation, and copies of the most recent Herald are on the back table. You can also get those online. Are there any other announcements that need to be highlighted? All right, well, let's share our joys and concerns. First of all, we want to lift up Andrew and his family. Hopefully that this is not something long-lasting and doesn't get spread to his family. I would like prayers for the family of Janine Kucher pittman um, a longtime friend of our families from the Kent Church who died this week or last actually the week before last. And I'd also like prayers for a friend of mine who's going through some substance abuse issues. <clears throat> Are there others that you'd like to bring before the congregation? Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. I'm glad to be able to be here. We go ahead. Jenna Kit is a kidney infection. That's Mark Connor's stepdaughter. Infection. I can't spell this morning at all. So Gail is traveling, Gail Naylor is traveling to Pennsylvania to so we'll ask for traveling mercies. Any others? Of course, we do want to lift up our uh, all of our shut-ins and um, lift up our, um, our church as a whole and everyone that's here, everyone that can't be here. We'll have the prelude. Let us pray. Oh, Lord Lord God, we are so thankful for the gifts that you have given us this beautiful day. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, our friends, our family, our beautiful world that you have given for us to care for. But most of all, we're thankful for your son, Jesus, who died, that we might have life and life abundantly. We pray that you might help us trust in you above all other things. We pray for each person here. We pray that you might lift them up and that they might sense your Holy Spirit among us, that they would know that they are loved by you and by us. We pray also for those who could not be here or are not here, that they might also know these things. We do lift up those who need healing and strength. We especially lift up Andrew, that he might find quick relief and for his family, protect them. We pray for Jenna, fighting a kidney infection. We pray for Gail, who's traveling. We pray for my friend, dealing with substance abuse, and for the family of Janine. We also lift up all of our Shut ins or those who are sick for Elizabeth and Donna and Bill, Mike, Sandra, Rose, Dave, Dean Rollin, Milton, Josie, Pat, Savannah, Bruce, Janice, Fay, Bob, Peggy, Brian, Bonnie, Bob, Gage, Darlene, Patricia, Danny, Donna, and you know, Lord, so many things that are on our hearts and minds that aren't even spoken, that need your healing, that need your your intervention. And we pray that we might put them in your hands. Thank you for the forgiveness that you give us. We do honor you, lift up. You, we worship you among, above all things. We love you greatly. Help us to be the people you have called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, our scripture passage this morning is not going to be Isaiah. It's going to be Matthew 7, 21 to 29. And if you would like to read along in your Bibles, you're welcome, or you can just listen. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. There's an old, old story about a man who got a call late at night from his pastor saying, The pastor had fallen down the steps, had broken his leg, and was in the hospital after having surgery and wondered if he would preach the sermon the next day. And so as the man stood up before the congregation, he said, well, the first thing I did when I hung up the phone was pray to God. And since I didn't fall down the steps and break my leg, here I am today. But seriously, I am glad to be here. I'm going to tell you a story. There was once a rich man named Jeff Sullivan. He was rich, but he was also a very good man. Unlike some rich people who had come, come um, by his riches, through com- he had come b- through his riches by a combination of wise choices, hard work, and good luck. He had a well-earned reputation for as a fair and honest businessman who treated his pl- employees well. He refused to cheat others, he was fair with others, and he was not willing to sacrifice his priorities and his principles to make a buck. He could have been richer if he had been willing to bend the rules or to make dishonest deals, but he refused to do so in spite of the fact that a lot of his colleagues had encouraged him to do so. Jeff always refused to compromise his principles. This made him a popular businessman among a lot of people, but not everyone. He did make some enemies. And one of those was a man named Kincaid. One reason Kincaid hated Jeff so much was that for the fifth year in a row, Jeff had been named businessman of the year. Now, Kincaid wasn't bothered when Jeff won the first year, the second year, or even the third and the fourth year, but something about that fifth year just pushed him over the edge. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. Now, Kincaid was not a man without power and influence, so one day he decided that he was going to find a way to get back at Jeff, and he knew just where to hit him. Jeff was a well-known member of a local congregation. And every time he had been interviewed, Jeff had always credited God for his success and, and spoke about his faith in God. And he didn't do this in a way that was superficial or in a way that used God to try to promote his own way. It was because he, had, he was a man of deep faith. That faith was reflected in Jeff's life as well. He was a generous donor to many charities. He and his wife had had um, several, had raised several foster children. He was always willing to provide a job to help someone get back up on their feet. Kincaid knew that if he could just chip away at that good guy image, he could really do Jeff some harm and so he started some strategic rumors. He found, out, he found one of Jeff's former foster children who had not taken the best path, and he convinced him, or, or rather bribed him, to make some accusations against Jeff. He found a way to conveniently make thousands of dollars disappear from the church treasury which was credited to Jeff since he was the treasurer. He hired a woman to accuse Jeff of having an affair with him. It was a brilliant plan and well executed. Nothing was left to chance, and the lies were very convincing. It all worked. In spite of Jeff's history for honesty, integrity, and caring, People believed the lies. Most of his friends quit calling. He was asked to resign as treasurer from the church and was even asked to leave the church. His wife left him and filed for divorce, throwing all of his stuff out on the curb. His grown children quit calling and they wouldn't respond to phone calls, texts, or emails. His company, inundated with supposed evidences of Jeff's dishonesty, fired him, and no one else would hire him. He was without an income, no health insurance or benefits. His car was repossessed, and the stress of all the, of the betrayal of all of his friends and family led to a number of health problems that he had no way to deal with. He ended up sick, destitute and alone. The few friends he had that would talk to him insisted that this all happened because he was guilty for God would never let a good person go through all this. But still, in spite of everything that he had gone through, in spite of the disaster that he had experienced through no fault of his own, he with God. He never gave up on God. He continued to read the Bible. He continued to pray. He continued to sing God's praises. And when others advised him to give up on God, all Jeff could say was, I know my Redeemer lives. Now, if this story sounds familiar, it should. It's a modern-day version of the story of Job. A righteous man who had everything taken away from him as a test. Taken away from him by Satan. And and yet, Job would not turn his back on God. Why not? Because he was a wise man. And he knew the truth that Jesus taught. In his words to the crowd, if you want to survive the storm... You must have your life built on the rock, the rock of Jesus. But how do we do that? Well, let me read again verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and act on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The wise person not only hears Jesus' words, but does them. That makes sense, but it's a pretty tall order. Have you read the New Testament lately? It tells us to take the narrow path, to not accumulate, accumulate a lot of things, to do good to those who hurt us, to love our enemies, to give away our belongings, and to forgive. That's not very easy. A young woman was, was getting married and the wedding was not far away. And she was delighted when her mom finally found a dress that she really liked and that looked really good on her for her, her mother-of-the-bride dress. Unfortunately, the young woman's stepmother had found the same dress and bought it. The young woman asked the stepmother to return the dress because her mother had already altered her dress, but the stepmother refused. So the bride's mother went back to the stores and after weeks of shopping, finally found a dress that was suitable, but not as nice as the first one. Someone asked the mother, what are you going to do with the first dress you bought? The mother said, I'm going to wear it to the rehearsal dinner. Now those of you who don't may not care about that would know that wearing it to the rehearsal dinner would put the stepmother in a bad light for wearing a copycat dress. Now, I love that story because the stepmother gets her comeuppance. But it's definitely not a story that Jesus would use as an example for us to follow. We like to get revenge when people hurt us. But Jesus tells us to not take revenge. The Bible says, Revenge is mine, says the Lord. It's not hard to see that we're always going to fall short of Jesus' teaching. I think all of us can can, at least at times, relate to the prayer that says, Dear Lord, so far I have done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm very thankful for that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed, And from then on, I'm going to need a lot of help. A sign in an an Atlanta police station reads, In God we trust, all others we polygraph. Now, does that mean that we can't be saved? That we can't be a part of the kingdom of God? That Jesus doesn't love us because we fall short? Of course not. We are saved by faith, lest anyone should boast. But Jesus isn't talking about salvation here. He's talking about security. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and act on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And this begins the closing paragraph of the last um, chapter, the, begins the closing paragraph of the Sermon on the Mount, the fifth, sixth, and seventh chapters of Matthew that start out with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, and blessed are those who are persecuted. The Sermon on the Mount is considered by many people to be way too idealistic to be practical. And yet Jesus is not talking about being practical here. He's talking about being happy, about being blessed. And he continues in the rest of the sermon in the same vein. Do not store up treasure for yourself on earth. Do not be angry with a brother or sister. Do not swear by heaven or earth. Do not worry. Do not judge. Do not hate. And enter the narrow gate. This is not how the world would tell us to be happy or secure. The world emphasized building up treasures and securities and walls to separate us from harm. Jesus' teachings give us another way of living, a way that brings happiness and security that can never be taken away from us. For unless we can find peace in spite of the worst that the world can throw at us, we have not found the blessing of building peace on the rock. Sometimes we think that if only we can predict the storm, we can be prepared and it can't hurt us. But the events of the last years have told us that that isn't so. We can never, never prepare enough to protect us from trouble. But Jesus tells us that we can still find hope and security and blessing When we build our lives on him, when we hear his voice and follow his teachings, whether they make sense to the rest of the world or not. Is that true of your life? Where is your foundation? Have you built it on the rock? Do you not only hear Jesus' words, but do them? I pray that none of you ever find yourself in Job's place or in the place of anyone who has suffered the de- dev- devastating disasters. But if you do, may you have your house built on the rock of Jesus Christ and find yourself standing firm on the foundation of his word. Amen. Go down from this place with the determination to build your life on the rock of Jesus and always feel secure in knowing that you are blessed. Amen.